Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. This is our last episode of 2023. I can't believe we're already here. It seems like we just kicked off the year and now the year is wrapping up and Christmas is almost here, which is wild and fun. I hope that you have gotten all of your shopping done. I just went out to Target today and I'll tell you what, it was a madhouse. Just wild. The parking lot was like the wild, wild west. So anyway, maybe you can do some quick quick shopping where you can do a grocery pickup or Amazon so you don't have to go into Target. It's a little crazy. (laughs) But with all of that said, today we are in the last installment of our Advent series called Repeat the Sounding Joy. And for the last several weeks, we have been digging into scripture that may seem repetitive, maybe stories that we hear every year from scripture about the Christmas story, but we are finding new joy in reading these stories together. Throughout this series, I have asked some of my friends from different backgrounds to come and share their perspectives about these scriptures, and these conversations have been so rich. So if you have missed the previous episodes with Shane Lima or Bree Johns, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those. But today, my friend Garrett Shelsta is here. Garrett is the director of Grow Students for Stuff You Can Use, and that is how I know Garrett, through getting to do some collaborative projects with stuff you can use. And most recently, I've done quite a bit of work collaborating with Garrett. And I'll tell you what, he is so fun. I talk about this in the podcast, but he is like the best encourager. He's got all these creative ideas. And so it has been fun to work together and become friends in the last year and a half. But Garrett has been working with students and young adults in faith communities for over 20 years. He lives in Bellingham, Washington, and he is passionate about developing the next generation of leaders. He also loves the Denver Broncos and Chelsea FC. So if you love those teams too, you have to reach out to him and chat about it after you hear the episode. Well, today, as Garrett is here, we are reading about the wise men in Matthew chapter two, and the reminder that God doesn't look for particular boxes to be checked, things to be nice and neat and perfect in order to pursue us. God pursues us sometimes in the most unexpected places and circumstances and invites us into a relationship. Now, in my tradition, we often use a phrase when we talk about this, we call it prevenient grace. It's this grace of God that pursues us, that woos us, that goes before us and invites us, even when we're completely unaware of God's presence in our lives. The God who is the perfect embodiment of both truth and love meets us right where we are, no matter how broken, messy, or confused we may be. God's desire is always, always, always for us to respond to God's invitation to restoration and hope. And we also talk about in scripture how it's often those who are considered outsiders and those who are on the fringes of of society and those who religious people often say are too far gone. Those are often the people who recognize the movement of God in the world. So the invitation for you and for me as we dive into this conversation today is to keep our eyes peeled. 
and keep our ears open to be watchful and curious to see how God is at work in surprising ways in and around us. Let's dive into this conversation with Garrett. Hey, Garrett, welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast. Hello, Carly. It is good to be with you. I'm so excited. So glad you're here. This is going to be so fun. We're going to talk, you know, about Christmas, about scripture, and I'm sure other things that we don't even know yet, but it'll be fun to see how it all unfolds. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay. Before we dive into everything, will you just take a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners? I know I've gotten to know you in the last couple of years, but would love for everyone else to get to know you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Carly, we've gotten to hang out so much. I've felt so fortunate to get to know you over the last oh, it's been so fun. Okay. like year and a half. Yeah. Is so, a um, half? Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, about okay. that. Maybe a little less, but maybe a little more. Who knows? Okay. Well, as you introduce yourself, I'm sure you'll be able to tell everyone why we know each other. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, hello, all the Ditching Perfection podcast listeners. I'm so excited to like be with you for this little bit. Um, my name's Garrett. I, um, right now, I, for the last, about a year and a half, have yeah. been the director of Gross Students, which is a curriculum uh, organization that writes high school, middle school, children's uh, ministry curriculum um, for churches worldwide. And so yeah. I oversee and help do that for high school and middle school students. So I oversee Gross Students. And so that's where I've gotten to work with Carly a bunch of times because yes. she's one of our writers and one of our contributors and helps us make everything sound so interesting and insightful. Like, wonderful ideas coming oh, out thanks. of the brain all of the time. It's so much fun. Thank you. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I do um, with work. Um, but I also uh, do other things than that. I yes. Uh, I live in, um, I'm from Bellingham, Washington, which is like as far upper left of the United States as you can basically get. Um, right. it, like you go about 25 minutes South of the Canada border on the major interstate I five in the state of Washington and you get to my hometown. That's where we live. I yeah. live here with my wife of 17 years, oh, 17 and four kids. That's a lot of kids. Some, yes. Sometimes I feel like it's too many kids. You are busy. Great. I don't. And they're, and they're all at home, right? Yes. So they, uh, we, uh, I mean, it's, it's so cool. I mean, our city is awesome. And so they actually, we homeschool our kids, but we are enrolled in a local school that actually helps support homeschool. Uh, kids yeah. um, our local uh, public school district. And so they have classes that they can go to for things that like we can't do at home. So like when they have like a computer science, which I know nothing about, like they can go take a computer science class or a choir that we have a lot of kids. We could do a four part harmony, um, but, <laughs> but it's wouldn't it. be very fun. <laughs> so, so if they want to do like choir or music or theater or something, um, there's a spot where they can do do that. It helps with like all their social emotional stuff. So they're in like learning cohorts and like grade bands. And so they, they do that. So they're not at home all of the time. I think my, my wife and I would, would pull out our hair, uh, but or yeah, like how most parents feel, feel about, um, COVID they're like, I can't do like, that's how our life is most of the time. And people are like, it's so hard. I'm like, yeah, totally. It's so hard. <laughs> like, that's just how my life is. Most of the, most days actually Aubrey's life. Most of the time I, I work in our, like a bedroom office at home. So, gotcha. uh, yeah, but that's, yeah. A, that's what I do. That's who I am. I, uh, before that I was, I've been in uh local church ministry, uh, for over 20 years. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Over 20 years, I spent a good chunk of time in high school, middle school. I did some church planting in Boulder, Colorado. 
And I, well, when I moved up here, I ran a young adult church um, for about eight years. And Okay. so then after Yeah. that, and then here I am. I'm And here doing you are. curriculum and writing and all that stuff. So it's a lot Yes. of fun. Uh, well, it's been so fun to get to know you the last year and a half. And I, I for everyone listening, I just have to say Garrett is like the king of encouragement. You really are. Oh, Like thank you're you. always, there's always something good. There's always something to be excited about. You're always optimistic. And Yes. I really appreciated that because Oh, you, good. every time I talk to you, I just feel like so encouraged, even Good. if I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't think of any other ideas about nineties Christmas themes. You're like, oh, Carly, you got You got this. it. Let's Here's go. like seven others. Just go for <laughs> it. Like, go figure you're in, something out. you're the king of the encouragement and <laughs> you're the king of ideas. You oh, just got thanks. nonstop ideas. So it's been so fun to learn from you the last year and a half and, and work together in some really fun, quirky things. <laughs> It has, there has been some wild, wild ideas. And so, I appreciate that, Carly. That's so kind of you. I, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly learning. And, uh, and so I, I likewise, I'm always like, Oh, what did Carly do over here? I should go figure that Oh, it's out. true. <laughs> yeah, Oh, goodness. No, no. you're good. Okay. But for people that are listening that may be like, yeah, I'm kind of in a new season. I did this whole thing for a long time. Like maybe someone has been in a different vocation and, and maybe like you have stepped into something related, but also really new. Really not. Yeah. What have you found to be helpful As you've been in a new season with a different rhythm, different things to learn, what what has been helpful and encouraging that maybe you could pass on to other people listening? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. I, I would say um, that two things come out. The first is God has given you everything you need to do the thing that's in front of you, Mm. even though it will frequently feel like that is not the case. Everything in your history, everything in your story, um, God is using to help sustain you or will help sustain you. Uh, Yeah. in, in the current moments that, that you're going to be able to go through. Um, there are things that I did in vocations and jobs and opportunities that I would not have ever expected to play out in what I'm, I'm presently doing. I'm always surprised. I'm like, oh, Lord, like, cool. That's what you did. Oh, I see that. I see that. You know, and so I, I would say I would say that 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 um, those past in his, those past histories and experiences God's going to use to help sustain you in really surprising and interesting ways. Um, so that's number one. And number two um, is also your history and past of the things that you used to do um, are not indicative of how things are going to go in the future. So that, that even though God's going to use those things um, in the past, uh, those things also aren't the, the, the measuring stick, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you do, I don't know if you do a lot of Enneagram work on here. I'm an Enneagram Yeah. Yes. three. So like, like Okay. success, Yeah. like success, uh, uh, like metrics matter a ton Yeah. to me, like all of those things. Um, anything I used to measure my own success by has shifted significantly. And I have to think of, of, or I I'm constantly reevaluating what success looks like. Um, and, and I think a little while ago, I, I, And this has been the thing that's helped me the most because all the success metrics are constantly changing that I Yeah. can like grow crazy, just like trying to create new like checklists of like, oh, am I achieving or whatever? Um, is that a while ago, and I, I have to come back to this frequently, especially in this new season, is that uh, success in the economy of God uh, is measured in faithfulness. So what is what has God called you um, to be faithful in? And as you are being faithful to that, like in God's economy, 
and that means you're being successful in that. So if it's yeah. being a parent um, and being present with your kids, if it's being a, for like a husband, if it's being a writer um, that has had to like, like I had before, like I, I have terrible grammar for a lot of different reasons. Like I had to learn how to like rewrite grammatically and like all these different things, you know, um, I, but as long as I held on to the reality that, that God has called me to do this thing and mm-hmm. I'm thankful to that, I'm, I, that, that to me is being successful right now. So I think that that mm-hmm. those past things are so different. Cause you know, I used to like speak a ton and do all these things and like have a staff and all of this. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm predominantly in my room, hanging out with my family, meeting cool and interesting people, but it is not anything. So like any sort yeah. of metric I used to have is just like out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so. Yeah. And that's a really good insight because it is hard for us to have different ways that we measure success. And sometimes yeah. like a lot for, for me and my roles in ministry, man, you can't measure success really. Oh, like there's not a check hard. the box off. It's like a constant thing. Yeah. And all of us feel that way in some regard that we're sure. on, on this, this journey that doesn't have a clear finish line all the time. Um, and so it's really, yes, are we being faithful? And I think that we can answer that at the end of every yeah. day. And I think that that is a real gift. It's Christmas time. Yes. I want to know before we dive into scripture, just some fun stuff. What do you and your family like to do during the oh. holidays? Any fun traditions? Yeah. Yeah. We have a handful of them. Um, so I grew up Catholic. So we always have an Advent wreath. My mm-hmm. son this year made in his, one of the things him and my wife did, they made like, I. it always just looks like Play-Doh to me, but it holds, it's like a salt, it's like a salt dough. So he made one of those, he made an Advent wreath. And so we have our own Advent wreath this year um, that he made. And so that was, that's a lot of fun. So we always, we have uh, like an Advent uh, calendar and readings and all that different stuff as a family. That's also, that's always that's really cool. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is the first year since we moved to Washington. I don't know where other people are listening from. I think probably where you're at in Idaho, Carly, like you cut Christmas trees are like a big deal out here. Like they're so easy, but where I, when I grew up, I grew up in the suburbs of Denver. Like that wasn't a thing. You just like oh, yeah. to the shopping mall and like, there's like a, a spot in the parking lot. And you yes. Yeah. But here it was like, we would go out and cut it. This is the first year in a handful of years that we, or since we moved up here in over eight that we haven't gone and done that because we're only going to be here for a few weeks before we go. Okay. But, uh, so we typically do that. Um, also I'm a Filipino descent. And so always on new year's. So after, uh, after new year's, we do a big Filipino meal of all our traditional Filipino. Okay. So food. tell us what that's like. Oh, what do you eat? Oh, there's, uh, there's so many good foods. Uh, so, um, interesting. Like, so the Philippines were, um, uh, like colonized by the Spanish. So actually a lot of Spanish and like, uh, Latin American foods have a lot of crossover. Um, so we have a thing called adobo, which is a little different than adult, like, like Latino adobo. So it's typically like a stew pork meat, um, or chicken. And it's like tenderized with like vinegar. So it's kind of like a sour sweet kind of deal. Mm. Um, and so there's adobo, there's, uh, there's ponset, which is, um, our noodle dish, which essentially is just like any other stir fry noodle dish, except you finish it with lemon and, uh, a hard boiled egg typically. Um, oh. then there are lumpia, which is like, a, a an egg roll. And it's like, I, I, God bless all of my other Asian like friends, but the lumpia is the best egg roll out of all of them. They're just what so makes good. it the best. Well, so there's a couple reasons. One is that all the meat gets like, uh, or all the, all the filling, there's a couple different styles, but the ones that, um, most people eat, all the fillings get, um, 
pureed and it creates this like paste. And so all the flavors get really mixed together. Um, so they're really, it's really, really delicious. Um, and you know, there's, there's, there's a bunch, there's a couple, there's a couple other things, but those are the, those are the staples, the, the, ponset, the adobo and, 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 and the lumpia. So, so yeah. do you make, do you make those things? Yeah, I make all of it. Yeah, okay. yeah, I do. Yeah, I do all of it. Yeah. Um, so I, um, it's, it's, I'm Filipino on my mom's side. So, okay. um, so my mom actually, interestingly, my mom did always did the lupia, but my dad, who is a, a very tall Norwegian man <laughs> would do the rest of the stuff. So I actually learned all the Philip, like the, some of the Filipino dishes from my dad. And then I learned the lupia from my mom. Um, the nice thing also is that like for anyone that's listening, um, uh, lupia is starting to be carried by a lot of grocery stores because there's a lot more Filipinos and everyone is learning the majesty that yes. is lupia for years. So um, you can okay. you can find some in the store and it's actually always pretty good. Or if you have a local Filipino restaurant, you should go go have it. Okay. So yes, I, le- I learned I, I learned from my dad and my mom, but yeah, so that's fun. awesome. Okay, yeah. I got to look those up. Yeah, yes, that's so yeah, fun. Yeah. very cool. Well, we are in this series where we are diving into some Christmas scriptures. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like, especially when I was growing up, it was like, okay, the same stories over and over. Like, I know this, but the gift of scripture is that it's always, there's always something new. And I think that the always something new usually happens when we talk to each other and when we open scripture together. Yes. So I would love to hear from you about some sort of section of a a Christmas scripture that you feel like is hitting different this year that is standing out to you and, and just share with us about that. Yes. Okay. I have a passage that I've loved for a while because I feel like it's so like, uh, I have a, a, like a, like a, a slightly prophetic edge. And by that, I mean, like, not necessarily like charismatic kind of version, but like, like I like I like when when scripture pushes my presumptions yes. about the way things are. Like yes. So so like that's I'm drawn to stories like that. Like I I presume something is the way it is, and it and the scripture is like actually it's probably a little different than that. Yeah. Um, or it like subverts kind of ideas that I have about the way things are. Mm-hmm. And so the story that often comes to mind in in that kind of vein um, is always the story of the Magi in Matthew two. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's so interesting for a bunch of different reasons that I'm sure we, 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 we can talk about. And so, um, but that's the story that always comes to mind. Okay. So tell me what is something that stands out from that? Okay. Okay. So first off the Magi are essentially fortune tellers, right? They're from, they're from essentially what is modern day Persia. Mm -hmm. They do something that is like basically explicitly forbidden in the scriptures, which is like looking to astrology or looking to like, like, um, uh, like uh, astronomy and, and like seeing that, like divinating the future using things. But somehow, even though they're like well outside of what God, like said, the people of, uh, of Israel should be about, like they still somehow come to like a version of the most profound revelation that has ever seen the world, you know? So like, Oh my gosh. Yes. I've never thought about this before. Yes. So oh, like, wow. Okay. So, so they're not, I mean, already are already in Matthew. We're already getting like, like they're, it's, 
the story of who God is about is already starting to branch out of sight the people of Israel. Yes. But that was always what God wanted to do all the way going back to like Genesis 15, where he says, Abraham, you're going to bless all nations. And so all of a sudden that fulfillment's coming in. So there's that part of the story starting to come in, but also just, just how wild it is that some of the people that I know, let's say in town, Bellingham or whatever, I mean, I live in the Pacific Northwest. It's like, like there's all sorts of stuff that people believe here. I'm like, oh wow, that's a that's a belief you hold. This is wild. Okay, let's yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah. But but always how how frequently there's a version of what is true that comes in and about that mm-hmm. and and helps like they're able to like see something about the transcendent, about who Jesus is that I would not have expected given the tra- trajectory or path or where where, where they are right now. So mm-hmm. I I think that that is something that for me. It's, we we see in, in the scripture that there are people that are around us. There are people that make us uncomfortable. They might believe things that we don't necessarily align with or agree with, but yet somehow God is still at work, mm-hmm. even through some of these things that are make us uncomfortable, people who make yeah. us uncomfortable. And yet somehow God draws them to himself. And I just think yes. that that is like so wonderful and beautiful. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Because it's easy for us to kind of put in these boxes of like where we feel like God is going to be at work or the things that are appropriate and the things that aren't. And yet God is not about the boxes. God's not about the appropriate, inappropriate. God is just going to meet us right where we are and is not not going to shy away from engaging with us in the moments that we may not have it all figured out. Yes. And, and, and like, I feel like for me, I mean, like, e- like, even as I think about Christmas, I think about being people around people that I know that I'm comfortable with that hold the same beliefs as me, maybe the same political stances as me, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but like instant, like already in the, like, like at the start of, of God's story as, as in, in the context of Jesus, like already we see people that make him like make would make anyone like any good God fearing Israelite very uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I think that that to me, it just always helps me open up my hands and be like, okay, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's about all of these things, but also let's like, there's other things that are happening there. Too. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's chase this rabbit down a little bit. Cause now yeah. you've got me thinking. Yes. Okay. It took them a long time to get there. So yep. baby Jesus is not baby Jesus. He's not like, baby Jesus anymore. yep. Okay, then these three fortune tellers show up, or however many there actually were. Yeah. What do you feel like? Just imagine for a second. What do you feel like Mary and Joseph's reaction was at first? What do you yeah, think? Like, imagine it with me. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. If you like, this is a fun ex- exercise. Like, so yeah, most likely there was more, right? Because you could probably there weren't. Just, I mean, like I know in our nativity scenes, there's only three, but there's probably a yeah. whole crew that's rolling with them. Yeah. Right. They're probably back. You know, they're probably back to where we're. They're probably back at home. They're there. Everyone knows they're showing up. Like everyone in town. These are like giant communities. There's this huge group of people that are wandering into town. They all look different. They all speak a different language. Like, uh, and so they're probably hearing like, oh, wow, there's this like crew of people. And then all of a sudden, like their leaders show up at your house. And I, I can imagine to me, there's some level of validation that's already started that this is like a moment that the things that probably at least in the in the Matthew story we're getting it from Joseph's perspective like all the sacrifices maybe he made mm-hmm. the, the snide comments that happened they're like oh 
there's some version of validation that's happening in Joseph's like, oh, I made the faithful choice. Maybe going back to that. I was yeah. faithful to that. And like, here's evidence of that faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're bringing in Mary's thing. Like she already knew something was special. She knew that from the get go. Like when the, you know, so she knows, okay, there's some version of like evidence of like, okay, God is doing something here. Yeah. yeah. And look at these people from, wherever are here and they're bringing our kids some stuff. I love, see, I love talking about scripture with friends because like you, you thought about like the validation part. And then I'm thinking, is she feeling like, okay, this was already hard enough. You're making this more difficult for so me. So much harder. <laughs> like you've added I was trying to ignore, this. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to get, ignore this. I like escaped with my life just a little while ago. Yeah. And now you're bringing attention to the fact that I got pregnant outside of being married. Cool. Great, guys. Appreciate that. Right. Like the whole big old caravan coming down to my house. Yes. Now everything is highlighted again. Yeah. Uh, But you're right, though. I love that if we look at it through what you were thinking, that God was trying to say not just to Mary and Joseph, but to the whole community, like this yes. is real. Like th- yeah, this something is special not- is happening here. Yeah, yeah. So this was not just this like thing that they're trying to cover up. That was a, a bad moral choice. Like, yes, this was real. And yes. I love that God goes to like great depths to, to bring that sense of comfort. And I think that was a really sweet, sweet gift. Um, yes. Any other thoughts that you have on the wise men and why they are just a gift to us in scripture and why we why we should see them maybe in some different lenses or light? So the other thing that I think is so interesting is, uh, so I, I, I just looked it up. They went to Bethlehem. So they weren't back at Nazareth. So for whatever reason, they're chilling in Bethlehem for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing that happens is like, is that it says that they worshiped Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I would have to go back and look. I don't, I mean, I think maybe the, the shepherds worshiped just before that, mm-hmm. but we're talking the first two people. Like, so we got, we got religious insiders in the form of shepherds, like yeah. Hebrew people, but outcasts of society. Then we get ideological and ethnic outsiders coming in. Yeah. But somehow, even though they didn't have all of their theology right, the object of their affection, the object of their worship was still Jesus. You know, and, and that just like any category I have for that mm. blows my mind. And I do like I like I'm I would I I would not go down uh, the line that says like, oh, anything that you worship can point you to Jesus. That's not what I am. I but in this specific story. Mm-hmm. The object of their affection was right. Even though all of their other beliefs could have been wrong at this point, they were worshiping the true God. And I, yeah. that just humbles me greatly as I'm interacting with people around me that I am like, I do not understand why you believe the thing that you believe. I do not get why you believe that. That seems wild to me. But at times, according to this story, they still can experience a version of the God revealed in flesh in Jesus. And that yeah. just like humbles me utterly and completely, you know, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. just allows me to like, be like, okay, like I'm going to hold people's experiences with pretty open hands and, and, and remain curious about like, oh, what yeah. does that mean? For you? You know? Right. Yeah. And I love that posture of curiosity that they had to, because yes. they were willing mm-hmm. to like go on this big old journey and kind of figure it out yep. where it's like in such stark contrast to when I was just reading, um, 
about King Herod. Like, yes, that's right. Yes. Instead of being curious, he felt threatened. Yes. Hey, talk to us about that. Do you feel like sometimes when something new arises, um, something different arises, something unfamiliar happens? Do you feel like we come to a crossroads where we can either be curious or threatened? Yes. Yeah. I, here's, and I, this is what I think is so interesting about that. Oh, that's such a, I, I've, I've like th- thought about that, that lens before. Like it said, like uh, the Magi come and say, Jesus is a king. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Which like the king of the Jews. So there's like a, like a profound political significance there that, that like, yeah. like uh, unearths Herod's insecurities, obviously. Yes. Yes. Um, but also that has profound claims about who Jesus is. Like it is a, tr- it is a profound truth claim that Jesus is the King of the Jews. Like that is a, that isn't like, and the Magi recognize it. They're the ones that recognize this, this, this claim that Jesus is King. Mm-hmm. And that has like, so, so that has profound implications of the world. And the fact that an outsider is the one that, that says that is, is also mind blowing. Yeah. But I think that there's something, and maybe this is what happens when something, when we become insiders, that the, the strangeness of the stories becomes too familiar because we've heard them so many times. Yeah. And so then when we get pointed out things in them, um, uh, they make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, like maybe similar to Herod, like, oh, I have this, this perspective about I'm the king. Mm-hmm. yeah that's my job you mm-hmm. know i did i did the scheming i bet the knee i'm the one that is like I, i'm the one that's that's been empowered by rome i have this conception what it is and here is this little baby yeah. this little baby that he is so utterly intimidated by mm-hmm. because there is something profoundly true about the fact that he is king of the jews god in flesh like worthy to be worshipped mm-hmm. i think that there's something that happens in us when we and this is this would be this always like for me is, is a challenge during christmas i have a tendency to want to worship the things i want to worship the universes that i create around myself sure. yeah um, i want to i want to and by that i mean worship i, I don't mean like like I, I want to allow my affections and attention to be predominantly um uh, used up by those things, whether it's my kids or my yeah. wife or our house. I want meaning I I worship those things because they they take the most of my attention. Sure. I think the same thing with Herod. Like he wanted his universe to be the thing. And what Jesus does is he says, what this story does is helps us, helps me remember that the universes, the worlds, the 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 scheming that I do to create my own, you know, whatever political universe is. Mm-hmm. Like all of that gets subverted by this little baby. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so like, so often I'm like, oh no, I want to be like, uh, I want to be like the Magi and have this like joyful worship experience. But I think for, I mean, people like you and me who are like religious insiders who help facilitate faith communities or whatever, yeah. most of the time we're like Herod. And this story is a constant reminder that our universe isn't the thing that occupies everything, but it's this mm-hmm. little, little baby. So, yeah. Yeah. So knowing that it's it's tempting to feel threatened or intimidated rather mm-hmm. than curious, how do we cultivate a healthy sense of curiosity when we are the religious insiders? You know, I mean, if we're going to go straight by the story, you talk to the outsiders. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, if we're just looking at the story, they're the ones that are the ones 
telling the truth. Yeah. They're the ones with the like correct actions. Yes. Like, so I wonder if there's a way for us during this Christmas season to like ditch the formulas, ditch the, these things and open ourselves to listening to what Christmas. And I, and, and it's not just like Christmas as like an, a, a, an abstraction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like what does Jesus being born in God in human form mean to you? Like mm-hmm. as an outsider, like, I don't know if you're listening, if you, whoever's listening to this has friends in your life and you feel like you can muster up the courage to ask them, that's a pretty intense question. But if we want to remain curious, there's a, a certain amount of courage that we need to have yeah. mm-hmm. um, to ask them in a way that's also not manipulative because right. that's what, that's what Herod's doing. He's yes. like, oh yes, show me the way to this King so mm-hmm. we can start some babies you yeah know? right so I, I i don't know i think that there's something in there about that and that that makes me uncomfortable because i like <laughs> that just mm-hmm. makes me yeah well yes me too it's yeah <laughs> last night my i was putting my daughter to bed my eight-year-old and we were talking about when jesus came how most people didn't recognize jesus yes. as who he as the messiah mm-hmm. and she goes yeah but like some of the like you know, priests and stuff did. Right. And I'm like, not really. <laughs> Rarely. It was normally, I mean, I said it in a nice motherly way, yeah, sure. yeah, but yeah. you know, like that's what we would assume, right. That the, yes. the priests and the, the religious leaders would have recognized. But I told, I told Lulu last night, I said, really, it was the people that were on the margins and on the fringes people that were kind of t- forgotten and discounted by society, those were the people that actually could see with clarity that this was mm-hmm. hope embodied, that this yes. was the person that they had, they may not have known all the Old Testament passages and all the things, maybe they did, right? but they knew their hearts could recognize when yes. someone came that was what they and who they needed. Absolutely. So it really is. Yes. The outsiders, even in scripture, they were the ones who got it. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. It is. It is uh, like, I'm always so startled by it. Like every time I read it, I'm like, oh gosh. And and I mean, like, and I think I'm, I've grown up in church long enough to be like, oh, I cognitively understand that. Mm-hmm. Like I cognitively get the outsiders do it. But then the moment I allow myself to be curious enough, yeah, be unsettled by what an outsider might actually think mm-hmm. of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that's that, that cognitive dissonance and tension. I like, I, even as I'm talking about it, now, I sense it in my body. I'm mm-hmm. always like, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but that, but you, but then I think you start to understand like Herod isn't some like twisty mustache villain, even though he's kind of painted that way. Like there's like a very real, like that's, that urge is in all of us right. to do, you mm-hmm. know? Right. So Garrett, do you have a story about someone that was an unexpected person that taught you something really unique and profound about Jesus that maybe initially in your interactions you would not have expected from them. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh, when I I was planning a church in Boulder um, and um, I, I had just been like, I had been fired from my first youth ministry job. So I was working at Starbucks and I was in a bad spot and um, I started working with this guy from Texas and I, I'm from the West. I grew up in the West coast. I had all of these, 
stereotypes about a dude from Texas mm-hmm. that came to mind. Um, and he had this Southern draw. He was kind of goofy. But um, it turns out he came to town, um, got married to actually a girl I went to college with. That's how we like, I was like, we, we, we got to know each other a little bit. And we started chatting and he came from a little bit of a different religious perspective, but all of these stereotypes that I had about a person from Texas, um, uh, the, the tradition of he's from a more reformed background than I was. Mm -hmm. And he and I just had the most incredible conversations Hmm. about some of the most important things that I've ever, like he helped, like it, it was it, it wasn't as much as like it exploded my brain but it helped me see that someone from a very different walk of life a different a different perspective community actually came and helped me mm-hmm. because i was in an emotionally vulnerable place i was mm-hmm. hurt i was frustrated i would throw every sort of theological jab i possibly could throw at him i would say the snarkiest things I would dig his favorite theologians or biblical scholars and he was just there for it. And he would be mm. with me and he would show up and he would be, hang- and we were like, it was like in fun, but like that was what was unexpected to me Yeah, was how much someone so like could actually show up and help heal me in places that I didn't necessarily know I needed to be healed. So mm. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks Shout for sharing. My friend Jason. Yeah. Jason. Yes. Jason. Okay. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> And I, yeah, thanks for sharing that because I think we can oftentimes have these ideas and these constructs um, that we think, okay, well, people in this category, they really can't do anything for me. And these people over here, maybe they can, but I am just, the more that I'm journeying with Jesus and the more Jesus is humbling me, the more I'm realizing that I always have something to learn from everybody. That's right. No matter what. Even if we don't see eye to eye on everything, and we may Absolutely. not ever see eye to yeah. eye on everything, but it doesn't mean that I can't learn from their life experience and from yes. why they have been formed the way that they've been formed. Like we can yes. always learn. And I so value that because especially right now in a world where we live in a lot of echo chambers, uh-huh. I mean, algorithms that know exactly yes. what we want to see on social yep. media. We have different news channels that cater to who we want to be and who we are wanting to hear from all of these echo chambers, it's actually causing more and more division and contributing to problems. And so I love just the reminder that we can lean in and listen and learn from anyone around us. Yeah. And and yeah, and this is the thing that I think is also, I I don't know how the scripture, I mean, obviously this, like the scripture is so profound and good, but I I still, I'm always baffled by how it's able to like toe this line is like the scripture says profoundly true things like yes exclusive truth claims jesus is king of jews that means herod is not like Mm -hmm. god is king jesus is king that means other kings aren't that means herod isn't that means the roman empire is not the kingdom of god these are profound truth claims that are exclusive of other truth claims Yet God is able in the midst of the most profound true thing, Jesus, God in flesh, holding people from different perspectives, all in the same place, but still gathered around something that's like mutually exclusive to other things. Like that just, that's the other part that just like, I know that's very abstract, 
but it really like it always is very it's it's challenging to me because I think that I have a tendency to want to just say, oh, what you believe is true and what you believe is true. Like that, that would be easier to, for me to believe. Like that would be an easier way for me to navigate. Like, oh, you do you, your truth is your truth. But this is like, no, Jesus is the truth. And there is room for people who are in different places in their understanding or experience or journey with that. And God allows all of that space graciously to exist. And I just like that blows my mind that those two things happen at the same time. Right. It's so true because it does feel like in the society moment, societal moment that we're in, but maybe it's been this way for a long time, that it's either truth or love. And we've heard those, those words all the time that like, okay, there's some that feel like those two cannot coexist. Yes. But they can. They can. And this story yeah. shows us it can. From the yeah. very get-go, it happens. Oh, I love it. Yeah. But it's not easy. It's not no. easy to figure out by any means. But it is encouraging to know that we, when we're not trying to figure it out on our own, and we just like let the spirit work in our lives, then somehow, some way, God will help us figure out how to hold those two together with yes. great grace and compassion for yes. ourselves and for those around us. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, the, I mean, and I don't know, this is the other thought that came. And that also means that there are stakes, like saying, saying something exclusive, like saying something true, like Jesus is king. That means that there are stakes. Of, I mean, like, like the, that reality, like causes um, Herod to do some pretty heinous things, you know? Yeah. I mean, like we never talk about this at Christmas time. I, I don't feel like I've never heard a sermon on it of like, like literally Herod then goes out and kills all the firstborn, like yeah. all of them. Yeah. Like in, in Jesus's area, like all the firstborn boys, like yeah, it's awful. fantasize at a massive level mm-hmm. because of a, a centralized truth, truth that Jesus is who he says he is. And so I think that yeah. there's something profound about that reality that I think uh, like to me, once again, the kind of prophetic side, like undercuts any sort of structural or systemic beliefs that we might have that when we say Jesus is King, it really undercuts a lot of those. Mm -hmm. And that the way of Jesus, the peaceful, loving, kind, but um, tenacious love of God that's in Jesus, like that has, has profound stakes for the way that the world is and the, and, and the systems and the powers that like to control the ways that things are mm-hmm. want to do away with those, that, that reality at, 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 every, at every chance it can get. And so I think that that, that to me is always something that unsettles me a little bit at Christmas too, mm-hmm. is that the reality of Jesus coming in, not only did it come in the context of profoundly different people people learning new things, insecure leaders, but that like, this is a profound, Jesus coming into the world is a profound statement about reality that alters everything. Yeah. And, and, and systems of, of death and violence uh, will do anything to undermine it. And so I think that that, that the fact that, that, that there's actual important stakes in the fact that this, even though there's candy canes and there's Santas in malls and Christmas trees and wreaths, like it's profoundly important that Jesus God in flesh came. And, and when we look at the world and see all the evil and brokenness, and then we read this story and see it's filled with evil and brokenness. It means that those two things in the same way that truth and compassion can live, 
that like joy and worship and profound brokenness also mm-hmm. can live in the same mix at the yeah. same time in yes. God's existence. Anyway, yes. those two things are starting to connect. In yes. Yeah. So knowing all of that from Matthew 2, what would your prayer be for you and oh. your family and your community out mm. of that for this season? What would What's your prayer? That the that the newness and surprising, um, the continually surprising uh, new inbreaking of the kingdom of God, um, we are uh, continually uh, ready for. Mm-hmm. We are we are we are asking God, is this is this what you're doing now here? Yes. Um, is this what you're doing in us now? Mm-hmm. Um, in the most unsurprising ways or the most su- surprising ways yeah, yeah, that, that I can imagine. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that that surprise, the, su- the surprise of, of a baby undoing a political leader, the surprise of Magi coming from mm-hmm. like ancient Persia, like the surprise, like all of, like a, a baby being born to a virgin, like all it's just all of us the, and that, that, that get echoed in the resurrection that surprise of of someone coming back to life like like yeah. uh, there's just so much to be curious about mm-hmm. and be like oh god spirit is that what you're doing now and i, I think yeah. that that's what i would love to see in my family in our time here which is so interesting because christmas is so about tradition and all of these mm-hmm. things I think mm-hmm. that that's the spot that I that that's a mm-hmm. really good question really. <laughs> well i love thinking about that like how yeah. does the scripture and engaging in scripture really impact the way that we're praying? And I, and I yes. love that. Um, I'm preaching this upcoming Sunday at church and I, the text in the lectionary is when John the Baptist is baptizing, but the Pharisees huh. and the Sadducees come with this like skepticism and oh, this yeah. critique and this, like, they're not really wanting to participate. They're wanting to observe. And so actually what you just said is so much of the prayer that is coming out of that Matthew three text mm-hmm. too, of like, let's let's dive into the new thing that Jesus is doing instead of, instead of just standing on the sidelines, like waiting it out to see if this is legit or let other people go first or to critique what's happening. Um, But it's such a big challenge, but I think that Advent just invites us into that like curiosity rather than critique and comfort. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I will listen to that sermon with like, (laughs) I'm ready for it. Let's go. All right. Well, by the time this is aired, it will okay. be been. So yes, Great. I I'll love it. You, I love it. But yes. Um, real quick before we go to our last two segments, because this is the Ditching Perfection podcast. Yeah. What are your thoughts on perfectionism? What's your relationship like with perfectionism? I know you mentioned you're an Enneagram three. So do you see it come come up in your life and your work? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I so so my wife would tell you I'm definitely not a perfectionist. So Enneagram threes are notorious. And I I should say I am a notorious for cutting corners to get to the outcome I want as fast as possible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's not so much. So the perfectionism comes when I know I have something that's going to point at uh my self-concept <laughs> or like the presentation of, of being the type of person that I, I, I want to be to others. Uh-huh. And so then it will manifest as workaholism. 
because I'm not naturally perfection perfectionistic. So I have to spend way more time. So it meant when I know I have to get something um, because it's going, it, it uh, like I'm going to have to get up there or, and say something, or I'm going to have something that that's written. It takes me way more time because I'm used to cutting corners. So mm. then I just work way more frequently. So I think that's where I see it for me pop up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I notice, if I notice myself spending more, way more time on a work project or something that I'm going to do, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, there's something happening in my like ego, like, 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 yeah, I don't know the thorn in my side as much as Paul would say, you know, like mm-hmm. that's some, there's something happening there. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what's a piece of advice you have for other Enneagram threes? Cause I know we have lots of threes that are in the ditching perfection community. Yes. I would say um, to the degree that you can hear from God, God's voice and align to the reality of what he's called you to do. And then with a surgical um, level of clarity, cut anything out that isn't that. Mm. Um, Because otherwise, um, particularly when we three, like for me, I find myself stressed. I will go to things that are easier to find success in and do those things Mm-hmm. to make myself feel worthwhile and valuable yeah. rather than the harder things that God has called me to in the mm. moment. So yeah, that's how I'd say. So good. You're not alone in that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I've been wanting to try to learn to play guitar for ever, like 10 years. I got uh-huh. one for Christmas, like years and years ago. Um, but I played the piano. I've played the piano forever. Oh yeah. So I start to try to learn to play guitar. It's too hard. I it's I can't get the calluses on my fingers. Yes. So whatever. I put the guitar away and I oh, just wait, sit yeah. down and play piano because I oh. feel like I know how to do that. So that's like a you know a surface level example, but oh my goodness, I do that in lots of ways. So Holy. yeah, yes. Okay. Last two segments, Garrett. Yes. The first one is throw yourself a party because so often <laughs> we can see <laughs> the negative things or like yes. the shortcomings, but yes. it's so good for us to celebrate ourselves yes. doing so. Throw yourself a party. How can you celebrate you? About seven years ago, set a goal that I wanted to write a book. And I did. I wrote my first book and it just got published through a grow curriculum. It's a, yes. it's a 28 devote 20. I'll, I'll, I don't know if you'll do videos. It's a 28 day devotional for teenagers called over the top. Woo! And I wrote it. Um, you know, the way grow work, like my name's not on this and that's probably better for me as an Enneagram three, if I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, uh, but I wrote it like this yes. was, these were my, these were ideas that the Lord and I had worked out together for the series that I wrote for our last volume. And it's a book. It's like an actual physical yes. thing, um, you know, and I just, I am so proud of it. Like, even though it wasn't like, if you would ask me years ago, what's the first thing you're going to write? I wouldn't say a 28 day devotional for teenagers on first and second Thessalonians with an extreme sports theme. I wouldn't have told you that's the book yeah. I'm going to write. Yeah. But that is exactly where the, where God, I mean, like, yes, surprisingly, that's exactly what happened. And I, yes. as I would kind of navigate it into that, like God helped fulfill a dream, which is just incredible. Uh, like God's so faithful. So. I love it. Yes. Okay. I'll put the link to that in the show notes so that people yes. can check that out. Yeah. Great. So cool. So cool. Awesome. Okay. And then the facepalm moment. Ah, so, yes. Some funny mishap, something that just cracks you up when you're looking back in hindsight, just, you, you know, a little reminder that it's okay that we don't have it all together. Okay. Here it is. Okay. I'm ready. All right. So I've never told the story before. Are you serious? 
I've never told a story before. As a preacher, I, I don't have a lot of stories because I had to do some serious work with it. So I'm about to tell you something I've never told anyone before. I can't believe this. Wow. Okay. okay here we go. All right. So when my first daughter was born, um, I was like, Instagram was brand new. Yes. My daughter was brand new. I was over the moon when her social security card came. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I have a child. She's real. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I took a picture of it. I took a picture of her social security card. I posted it on Instagram. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I posted it. I had like three people message me instantly. They're like, you need to take that down. Her identity is going to get stolen. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, obviously. (laughs) 100%. What was I thinking? Like, I was just like, my brain was just like on a holiday because oh I was so goodness. excited. Like, oh my gosh, look at this. She's a person. Oh my God. Like, you know? Yes. And I was just like, what was I thinking? There it was. I posted my daughter's social security number on Instagram um, when she was like a few weeks old. So, Oh they- my gosh. That is a good one. <laughs> it might be so dumb. Like it just undercuts everything I just said. If you found it insightful, you're like, oh, I can't listen to this guy anymore. No, 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 no. That's why we do these because so many times yes. we're like, oh my gosh, your guest was so wise and so insightful. And it's also good to be like, and they're human. Just yes. like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Whoa. Well, I'm glad you had some good friends in your corner. Yes, today. they hey, did. You might not want to have that on there. You should probably take that down. I'm like, yeah, it's a good call. <laughs> And so far, so good. No identities. No identity theft. We've been we've been monitoring the dark web for a little bit. It was only up there for like a, a solid two minutes. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. See, all is well. All is well. Yeah, everything's fun. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, Garrett, thank you for doing this. If anyone yes. would like to reach out and connect with you and learn more from you or learn more about yes. Grow, what you're up to, how could they do that? Yeah, you can follow me um, on Instagram at G Shelsta, at G S H E L S T A. Or you could check out anything that we do um, with Grow Curriculum. That's where most of my brain goes. Like it's 150,000 words every year that I have to <laughs> work through. So, so it's much. a lot. So that's where, like, a lot, if you're ever like, hey, what's your thinking about? It's like, just go get a subscription to Grow and you'll probably be getting, getting an idea of it for sure. Yes, for sure. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here and all the insights that you shared. I loved getting to just open up the scripture and you brought things that I had not thought about before in that section. So thank you for for this time and all of your thoughts and stories. Well, thanks for having me on, Carly. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you. Okay, wasn't that conversation so interesting and eye-opening? It was also just really fun, but also challenging, don't you think? I'll tell you what, this is exactly why I wanted to have a series like this, because it is a beautiful gift that we can open scripture and read individually, but it's also so important that we read scripture together in community. Because when we read individually, we bring our own lenses, we bring our cultural background and our experiences to the text. But when we can read together with friends and be in community and learn from each other, then I believe that we're able to see in greater measure what God wants to speak to us through scripture when we aren't limiting our vision to just our own perspective. So I'm just so grateful to Garrett for sharing with us today and opening my eyes to several things and and causing me to really pause and think about some important things. And I'm sure that you probably felt the same way too. 
But here are some things that I will be processing and hanging on to from the conversation specifically. First of all, I want to choose to stay curious rather than feel threatened when something new or unexpected arises. It's really easy to want to self-preserve or to defend, but what if we're curious? I think that will be a game changer. Secondly, I want to ask God to help me see God's fingerprints in the most unexpected places and the most unexpected people. And then I loved the part of the conversation today where we talked about how Jesus is the perfect combination of both truth and love. And the way that Jesus showed up as an embodiment of truth and love disrupted systems of this world and continues to do that. And it also, the presence of of Jesus also disrupts the systems that we've constructed in our own hearts and minds. And sometimes we don't like that disruption, but that holy disruption can actually lead to our restoration and the restoration of the stories all around us. So let's get disrupted this Christmas season and allow for Jesus's presence to change us and shape us. We already kind of talked about some prayer prompts. I know those takeaways were things that that we can pray through, but I would invite you this Christmas season to be praying and asking God, God, what is the new thing that you want to do in my life? What is the new story that you want to write in my life and in my community? And God, help me keep my eyes open so that I can see and participate in what you're doing. Well, friends, if this episode was helpful to you, first of all, reach out to Garrett and let him know. And secondly, I would love for you to share this episode with a friend. I know that the conversations that we are having here week in and week out, they matter. The vulnerability and the authenticity and the ways that we are responding to God together, I believe everything that's happening in this Ditching Perfection community is so meaningful. So please share this with friends. I know that there are other people that are hungry for these type of conversations. So send a text or share on Instagram with someone who you think would really benefit from hearing these conversations. And then also, if you would take a second and rate and review the show, that would be helpful too. This just helps spread the word of the Ditching Perfection podcast. Well, friends, I am going to sign off for the rest of the year and just relax and rest and celebrate with my family and my church family. But we have more in store for you in January. So watch your your podcast feed. Make sure you're subscribing so that you don't miss any of the Ditching Perfection podcast episodes in the new year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, my friends.